We've been talking about the four values of River City Church. We're excited that you're here. If you're visiting and you're not going to ever come back again, you still get to listen to the values. And um, the first week, you know, a few weeks ago, Tom's kind of started out indirectly. About seven or eight weeks ago, he talked about the kingdom of God and our function and purpose as a church. And then I talked about individually, what does that look like? And then I went away for a little while, for a few weeks, and I came back and talked about how God's love is the center of all that, that our desire to love Jesus and experience Jesus' love has to be the, the fuel and the power behind all of our works, behind all of our ministry, behind all of our church. And then I talked about evangelism last week, and I redefined what evangelism is. A lot of people think evangelism is just verbally sharing the gospel. And that, so therefore, if you're a good speaker, you get to share the gospel all the time. If you're not, you're not you don't have the gift. And I said, no, 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 no. I referred you to a book called Power Evangelism by John Wimber and said that um, actually evangelism is anything that moves the kingdom of God forward. And it requires power. It requires God's power for that to happen. And so evangelism um, expects and needs the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit to be evangelism at all because it's a spiritual battle going on. And for us to win back or take back what has been stolen from God, which is evangelism, um, to take that back, that's how we defined it. Um, it. It requires supernatural power. And so we said, because of that, we should expect to see more of God's power, more of his gifts ex- displayed for his kingdom's sake, growing the kingdom outside of the church than we should inside of the church. That that's just, that's the way we see Jesus doing it. You know, that's the, what we see happening is the lost experiencing the power of the kingdom and being saved. Does that mean that we don't experience healing as believers? Absolutely not, because we have. We know that as a church. But we really were challenged last week, or at least I was, to really go look for opportunities to pray for people. When the burden was released from us saying that we have to save everyone because we can't, it's not up to us. And really being led by the Spirit to speak to and talk to or pray for who God leads us to. And then if he doesn't say anything or do anything, then we're, we're off the hook as long as we're looking, as long as we're open. So again, and then we said this week we're going to come back and have testimonies. So because we're not having testimonies, what I'm going to do is I'll do a web blog tomorrow morning and you can go on the web blog and I want to hear your stories written down. We're going to just keep account of these things as God moves and power and stuff. I can tell you though that we've had amazing things going on in the church as a result of people just kind of stepping out and risking. We had a, a guy last night who was sharing that... Um, He's a financial advisor. And uh, he said in the middle of talking to people about money, they're like, what should we do? He's like, I don't know what you should do financially, but you need Jesus. And he just started sharing Christ with them. And they just started weeping and bawling in the middle of the meeting. He's like, I don't know what happened. I just had this like word kind of come up and I just kind of said it. And it just had this impact. And he said, it happened twice, <laughs> twice last week. I was like, yeah, you're screwed, dude. So yeah, yeah, you're done. God does some, you know, he ruins our life like that. We, we start to believe that Jesus, when he's living in us, that he brings this power to bring transformation that's real and that's lasting and that is only from him. And we step out, we risk, and we just say a word or two, and, and God does the rest. We're only responsible to walk through the doors that God opens, right? And we just talked about that. So that was last week. That was the sermon of last week, right there in a nutshell for you. You can listen to it online. You can watch it if you like the way I look or, you know, you get the CD. So anyway, this week, our other... One of our, our three of our four is, is uh, after evangelism is ministry of the poor, all right? Ministry of the poor is the other thing that we felt like is central to the ministry of Jesus Christ that God is calling us to. And again, it's not that these are the magical four silver bullets, evangelism, ministry of the poor, power of the spirit, intimacy with the father. Like these are the four silver bullets that every church needs to, to be a part of. No, what we felt like were as we were praying about who is God calling River City to reach, 
that these were the identity markers that he was calling us to be about. You know, these were the unique things that he was calling us to reach out and to become for the community around us that other churches weren't doing. And so that's where these came from. And I wanted to take you just through a, a, a brief history and, and tell you where and how we got to the place where we are in terms of ministering to the poor and the val- having that as a value. Because I feel like that God's getting ready to move us forward with a new vision, a new expectation. And I want to share that to you, with you, what that new thing is. But, but I think it's important, especially for a lot of you that are new or haven't been around, of learning and understanding who we are as a church. Because we're not like other churches. We're not. Our goal isn't the same as other churches. Our goal is missional. We believe very strongly for justice, that we are called to bring justice where there is injustice. We believe very strongly that church needs to be winning back people who are lost, who have been hurt, who have been wounded, who don't have people speaking up for them. We are called to represent and to love and encourage, unlike other churches might be doing or feel called to. As a result of that, you know, we all like the way that sounds, but the, the cost is, is us. You know, the cost is, you know, well, then we don't spend all the money that other churches do on sound equipment. Or we don't spend all the money that other churches do on, on like, painting and bells and whistles in our children's rooms. Or we don't spend all the bells and whistles, you know, all the money on other churches, like, on nice carpet or, you know, fancy light rack or whatever. We don't do that. Because we believe the kingdom of God is missional. We believe and we've agreed together this is the direction that God's called us to go and this is where the most fun is and this is the most exciting thing we could ever be a part of. And it's costly. It began with a conversation I had. I wasn't planning this, I promise. It would have been easier for me to have started right where we are right now. But that's not what God's plan was. God's plan from the beginning was, no, this is gonna look differently. You're gonna have to trust me on this. And um, I, had a, I came back from England and I had a... Um, a meeting with somebody that worked at the city rescue mission. And we were talking about the Holy Spirit because they had some experience in the Holy Spirit, you know, and I was just all new to this stuff. And we were just talking about what are we gonna look like? And this person said, hey, I work over here. I want you to come look at the city rescue mission. And um, I was like, all right, where's the city rescue mission? He's like, right over here in this crack neighborhood, come on. So we go, like, we drive over there and, um, and we're driving, we get off I-10 and we head the wrong direction and toward, you know, towards the strip bars, toward, you know, we literally go into this like barbed wire fenced in community. I mean, you know, we've met there for five years. Anyway, we go in there and I'm just thinking like, there's no way, there's no way that the people on our advisory council are gonna invite their friends here. There's just no way. The core group is gonna no longer be the core group. It's gonna be the one group of Santley leading the church by himself. We are church one mighty strong. Look at us go. But anyway, so we go in there and we call, I, I, I go in the room and I'm looking around and I'm just thinking there's no way. I was like, I'm not going to say no, though, because then I would just look like I don't love the poor, and I'm not doing that. So I'm going to get the advisory council in here, and they're going to decide we're not going to love the poor, okay? And so, and so I get the advisory council in there, and, um, and I'll never forget it. I'm like having to play devil's advocate. Their first response is, yeah, we like this. I'm like, what? I mean, there's tiles hanging from the ceiling, water stains everywhere. There's water leaks. The carpet is nasty. There's these like wooden movie theater seats that you can't move. They're bolted in the floor to like asbestos, you know? So I'm I'm just thinking like, there's no way that we're going to be able to move these. This is going to be hazardous and I'm going to get cancer. And so, because we couldn't afford anything, I ended up doing it. So, and they're like, and, and the windows look like Pink Floyd had created them. I mean, it was just wrong in so many ways. And I remember telling the advisor council, they're like, and one of the advisor councils, they're like, yes, this is where we're supposed to meet. I'm like, 
Seriously? And they're like, yeah, this, this is what we're supposed to be about. We want church to be real. We want church to be raw, unpolished. This is where we're called to be, Antley. And I said to them, I was like, are you gonna bring your friends? And they're like, yeah, we're gonna bring our friends because this is what people are hungry for. Hungry for. And so we started meeting there. And sure enough, everyone started coming and inviting their friends. And you don't know the stories that I heard, but it was the funniest thing. Like we get, I would get phone calls and like, hey, I'm in this barbed wire fence area. Are you sure this is safe to get out of my car? Literally, people would drive into the parking lot and you just see them like, really? You want me and my children to leave here out of my, the protection of my SUV and get out? There's just no way that's going to happen. I mean, we would see people like literally like drive in, drive around and just leave right away. You know, and, and that obviously those people weren't called to that. But some of you decided to stay and stick it out. And what became fearful no longer was fearful. It created a passion in you. Because what started to happen is we started being blessed as we ministered to the poor. And we, this, this, this funny thing that we didn't plan on happening happened to River City Church. And people started saying, you know, loving things to me like, Ailey, I don't remember anything you said, but those testimonies were awesome today. And what we stumbled upon was this reality. And a guy writes this in his book, and I've stolen it. He says, the most powerful transforming factor in, to the, in the life of a wealthy or an affluent person is seeing the transformation of somebody who is poor. And what happens is they respond to the gospel because it's real and their, their heart begins to not only tra- be transformed for the person that's being transformed who's different from them, but they realize that this is real. Like this just isn't something I add on to Sunday. Like this could change my life. You know, and being crazy charismatics, we knew that that could happen, but we'd, we just started to be blessed in a weird way. And one of the other things that God did along the way was when I was in England, we had, I had people, when I was getting prayer, anytime there's prayer, if you're praying, come forward for prayer. I go, you know, all right, Lord, I want whatever you have for me. You know, and I would just go for prayer, prayer, prayer. And so I started, people started praying over me and what the church was going to be like. And I don't share all those things with you ahead of time because then, it could direct us as opposed to allowing me to just hold on to those things. And when they happen, say, look at this is what God said he was going to do and he's doing it. And that's how prophecy works. And so a lot of times, not all the time. And so, um, but one of them was your church is going to be like an oil refinery that um, God is going to pour out what he's given you to the streets of wherever you're located. And just the and oil just standing kind of for the blessing, the anointing of Christ to everyone who's around us. The other thing, the other picture that I remembered when I was preparing this talk was, I'd forgotten it. He said, uh, he said, this guy came up to me and said, I see a picture um, as I'm praying for you of lots of children from different racial backgrounds and different levels, economic levels, banging on the door of the church trying to get in and just them being let in and being released into this, into this church, into your church. And I thought, that's weird. You know I mean? What, I mean, I, just, I don't have any experience. You know, I'm not the youth leader, you know, all this stuff. And, um, and, and so we are just being faithful and God started to demonstrate his faithfulness as we stepped out. And that happened, you know, for the first year. And after the first year, we felt like, you know, God is beginning to open up. We feel like God's going to open up this year, our doors to the larger community around us. And we didn't know what that looked like. We had no idea what that was going to look like, but we felt like we had been called to minister to city rescue mission, men and women. And we began, we were doing that and it was amazing blessing. And we saw Again, lives just transformed in ways we, we've never experienced. And uh, 
And that same, at the same time, God said, I'm gonna open up your doors this, this year. And we thought, well, man, are we, gonna, are we gonna start doing stuff with this, this community around us or whatever? And he said, nope. And he, at the same time, he opened up the opportunity for us to start to minister to children, specifically children in Hollybrook. And that's how we came. As the door opened with Hollybrook, at the same time, God started to do stuff in our church. We hired Craig at the same time. And Craig came on staff. He'd been in overseas doing missions. But we hired Craig, and he came on. And that day, we saw an explosion of ministry at Hollybrook that year. And not just that year, but years after. And ever since then, we started having vacation. Our vacation, we said as a church, we're going to be faithful. So we took our vacation Bible school, and we did it at Hollybrook because God was calling us to these children. We started having our Christmas parties at Hollybrook, our Easter parties at Hollybrook. We started having all of our events at Hollybrook, understanding that this is where God was calling us to be faithful, to minister and to love the children. I need to say this just from the beginning. Don't believe or even think that God isn't already, wasn't already doing things at Hollybrook. God has been at Hollybrook and God will be at Hollybrook when we leave, if he calls us out of it. And there are Christians at Hollybrook praying for transformation, moms and dads and children even, that the gospel is working in and through. It is just a privilege for us to even be considered among that group. And so it's not like we're bringing something that isn't there. We're just bringing something that God's called us to bring and we're out to figure out what that is and we're just being faithful. And so we see tutoring starting to happen there after school. We see dance starting to happen after school. We see football games and weekends things starting to happen after school. We have mentoring programs that happen after school and during the week. We started to see um, the birthday parties kicked off people taking kids to the beach, teaching them how to surf, just all of these relations, these great ministries that are naturally occurring as we respond to what God's putting in front of us. And it was an amazing and has been an amazing journey, all because we, us, the leadership and you, believe that this is what God has called us to be as a church. This is what he calls our church to be. Not every church, but this is what he calls us to be. And so that's what we're trying to do. And in the process... We came across that sermon I did like a while back. All this was going on to the least, the last of the lost. If you remember that sermon, remember, raise your hand. Okay, there's not that many, but we got this. We did this like remix of it. And it's like me talking. And it was like. The least, 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 the last, 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 and the last. I'm not singing like that, but they're like doing all this funky stuff with it. Because we really felt like this is who we are. This is what we're called to be. And so we're going to do this, like, we call it the message mix. And we're going to put it out there. So we're like, when people are like running and walking, they're like, they can be listening to me talking to them and kind of, you know, jiggling around and dancing and stuff, right? Yeah, that never made it to the website. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, we were so excited and we agreed. This is what Jesus' ministry looks like. This is central to Jesus, meaning that we don't, grow as a church, and then when we're healthy, start doing ministry to the poor. We don't believe that. We believe that every ministry that is a part of River City needs to involve ministry to the poor because we believe it is central. When we look at Jesus, it wasn't him growing the kingdom of God and then doing ministry to the poor. It was always Jesus pushing forward the kingdom of God with the poor involved in all of his ministry, all of it. And so we believe because it was central to Jesus, hey, maybe it's supposed to be central to us. And we just took him at his word and we moved forward. We started, again, we started to see this reality in our life as we loved Hollybrook. 
that blessings were being poured out on us. And as we mourned with those who were mourning and we wept with those who were weeping and we were rejoicing with them as they rejoiced, we received blessing from that. And the whole thing about ministering to the poor is not about what we bring. It's what, what, we, what God gives us as we're faithful and the blessing that he brings to us. And again, I would just want to reiterate, this is not a strategy that I had at any point. You know, it's not like I sat down and said, all right, how do you grow a church? Okay, let's first move to a crack neighborhood. And then we're going to continue to minister to people, you know, in a, in a part of the community that we, aren't, that we don't, normally don't rub elbows with. That's like how to not build a church. But what happened is we recognize that as God opens a door, our responsibility is to walk through it, pray about what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do, and do it. And we, again, we've had a share shop start out there where we give toys, brand new toys away to parents of children who then take them, they, we wrap them, they take them and give them to their children on their birthday. Brand new toys. And we give clothes away and shoes away all because we've just walked through. That came from a volunteer in the church who just said, I feel like God's laid this on my heart. I don't know how it's going to happen. And it just, it happened because it was the Spirit. That's what happens. When the Spirit moves, we respond. God shows up and, and transformation occurs. And that's, that's our strategy. That's our church strategy. And I feel like we are at a place where God's calling us to do something more. And I think it's, and I, and I, and I want to tell you about how this came to be. And it's going to sound freaky if you're not used to coming to River City Church. But you need to know this. I've really struggled with whether I should share this story with you or not. Because it was very personal to me. And I knew it was for me. Because God, I knew it was for me. And I'll tell you, I mean, you'll see why I feel like it's for me. But as I prayed about it, as I've shared it with the staff, and I shared it last night, I feel like God wants me to share it this morning because it's, it speaks to where I feel like he's calling us to be as a church. And it began uh, last two Wednesdays ago, we were having our Holy Spirit throwdown where the staff comes, we clear out the chairs in the middle and we dance and be stupid and silly, you know, in the dark and worshiping Jesus. But Paul started us off with um, like a, a, a mellow time. We're just being quiet before the Lord and soaking and receiving. And he played this Latin song from... Uh, I mean, it was, it was Latin song, and it was Agnes Day, but it didn't make any sense to me, but it was real pretty. So I was just laying. I, like, put some chairs together to make a little bed, and I thought, I'm going to crash here. It's going to be awesome. And so I uh, was laying down right there, and I had a me- almost immediately to my mind came this picture, and I feel, like it, I feel like it was a picture from the Holy Spirit. And again, what I mean by that, it wasn't like a vivid vision. It's just in my heart as I was kind of, da- it's like a daydream. But it was very clear and specific, so I just started to pay attention to it. And basically, it was, I was on like, I was just laying where I was, and God was doing like surgery on my heart. It wasn't bloody or anything like that, but he was just like doing stuff with my heart. And what, I, what he showed me was, as he was connecting blood vessels to a part of my heart, from a healthy part of my heart, to a part of my heart that had died. All right? And whenever he was done, he said, these blood vessels are gonna carry blood to the part of your heart that's died. And when it does, it will come alive again. And so there's no blood in or anything. He says, I've done the work to connect it. All you have to do is be obedient. When you're obedient, blood will flow to this part of your heart that's died and you'll come alive. This part of your heart will come alive again. But I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. And so again, like I'm just like, okay, this is freaky deaky. I'm just gonna lay here though. This is from the Holy Spirit. God will confirm it. Because I don't have things like this happen to me all the time, right? And so I'm just laying over there. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I see a picture of Hollybrook. And in this picture, um, I see uh, it's, it's really dark. And all the children of Hollybrook are outside. And, and uh, I see um, 
these demon-like birds, but they're really big. They're really big, and they have like these fangs and these claws, and basically what's happening is they are diving down on the children of Hollybrook, grabbing them, and literally tearing them to pieces. That's the picture. I'm like, what's this all about, Lord? And again, I just want to reiterate, this is not unique to Hollybrook. This is what the enemy does. He does this with each of our children. His desire is to tear, to kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus says. And so this picture isn't unique. It's not like it only happens at Hollybrook or in the poor community or whatever. This is our life. This is what's happening in the spiritual realm. But anyway, this is happening. Children are being torn apart. And um, I look down there, and, 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 and what God says to me is, this is what will happen in the spiritual realm if you're not obedient. And I look down there, and I see Craig and, like, one or two other people, and they have these swords, and they're, like, trying to fight, you know, these demon birds off, you know, trying to kill them and stuff. And each one of these people have two angels. And the two angels are up in the air trying to fight and to kill these demon birds that have, you know, they're doing this destruction to Hollybrook children. And, um, and he just, he shows me. He says, I trusted you, Antley. I trusted you. I trusted these children to you. And you haven't been faithful. Your church hasn't been faithful. And I'm like, whoa, I've never heard God talk to me like that, that specific, that clearly. And it wasn't guilty. I didn't feel guilt at all. But I felt this conviction of, all right, God, well, what, are you, what are you calling me to do? And it was very personal. I didn't feel like it was for the church at this time. But he said, you haven't been faithful. And he said, and then he, and he reminded me, it's not until you're faithful and obedient that your heart will come alive. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm showing you. And so I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty heavy. I mean, that's really heavy. And so I... Um, and, and, and while this is all happening, the last two-thirds of it, I'm laying down and I'm kind of shaking. I'm not like, you know, like shaking, like doing the wave shaking and stuff like that, like flopping around like a fish. But I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm having a physical kind of deal that's going on with God. I didn't realize it till the end. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is all right. And he said, I want you to mentor. He told me, I want you to mentor a kid at Hollybrook. And I was like, all right, I could do that. He goes, when you're obedient, your heart will come alive. This part of your heart that's dead will come alive. And so I start going. One of the struggles I have as a church leader is, is this for me or is this for everybody? Obviously, I'm telling you, so I think it's for everybody. But I'm struggling with this tension of, is this for me or is this for everybody at River City? Is this really a church thing? And um, I go through the week, I'm praying about it, I journal, I write it all down. And uh, I get the staff this week, we're getting ready to do the throwdown, and we do God stories. We talk about how God's moving in the church, or we do God stories. And... uh, and I get ready to talk about what I just told you, and I can't. I just can't. I start, like, hyperventilating. And the staff, poor staff, they got all uncomfortable. And uh, they're like, look at Ailey. He can't speak. He's nervous. You know, I don't get nervous when I have to speak. I don't get nervous in front of people, especially I'm closest with my staff. And the Holy, I just believe it was the Holy Spirit, you know, just, like, doing something. I didn't know what he was doing, but I could not speak. I was hyperventilating. I had to wait. I was like, wait, wait. You know, and I was like, wait a minute. You know, and then I tried to talk and say a word or two. And I said, wait. So the Holy Spirit, I don't know. Wait. So I told him the story I just told you. And then we went into the Holy Spirit throwdown. And we don't know what God did, but God did something. Everyone was weeping at the end. Someone who, uh, you know, was just dancing and stuff like we always do, said they felt the hand of God come behind them and just sweep them off their feet and just lay them down. 
and just felt God's presence fall on them. One person on staff just could not stop crying. This like, and they came forward for prayer and they said, I feel like you're supposed to pray for me. I just, I can't stop weeping. I just, I'm experiencing God's love in a way. He's changing my heart. He's doing something. I just cannot stop weeping. And so that was the first indication that there's more to this than maybe for Antley. And I talked to some of the staff. They said, I felt a, a strange conviction, Antley, that was unusual, that has motivated me, that's exciting. That I feel like it's a spirit. I think you're supposed to share that with the church. And so I'm going through this. I'm preparing to talk in the poor. I'm like, what a coincidence. I'm speaking on the poor this week, and all this is happening. And I start praying, Lord, reveal to me the books you want me to use to make this message. I'm still not convinced I'm supposed to share that story with you. And he leads me to these two books. And I just, when I say he leads me, it's not like a divining rung. And I go to my bookshelf, like, ding, you know, and that's the book. I just think, I have lots of books on ministry to the poor, you know, that I've gathered through the years. And, uh, and I, just, I just pray about it. And he'll just bring me a cover, the look, you know, Facebook cover. I'll say, oh, I haven't read that in a while. Maybe I'll read that. Or maybe it's just me. But these are the two books. One is called, What Does God Expect of Us? The Whole in Our Gospel, The Answer That Changed My Life and Might Just Change the World. That was one of the books. I'd never, I'd read a little of it. You know, and I didn't have that in my office. It was here, and we had to go get it. And the other one was called Revolution and World Missions. It was about world missions, not local ministry or anything. And so I start reading. I kind of flip through this, and this is what I read. Um, the first thing that I read in this book, and you have to remember all the. Oh wait, let me finish my story. It's um, later the week, later after the week that all that happened to me. Um, I went to Hollybrook. I was picking a plumbing part up from a friend. And I it was in that neighborhood, and I felt like God was calling me to go to Hollybrook. I mean, it's like, maybe, I, maybe it wasn't probably God. It was probably me just saying, I want to go to Hollybrook. So I went to Hollybrook, but it was probably God. And I went there because I don't go there a lot. And uh, I get out of my car. I drive up. There's no one there, no kids around, nothing. And I get out of my car, and I feel this, this presence of God, this power of God, like when I step out to the, on the, onto the tarmac of, of the parking lot. And I have this unusual sense of just tons of angels around me. Just tons of them. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to come here more often. And, uh, and I start walking down the streets of Hollybrook, just the middle. And I'm just praying. I'm just praying. I'm like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know if this message is for me or the church. Okay, I'm going to mentor. But this presence of God I've never felt before. And God, I felt like God was revealing to me. He's like, Antley, you bring Something in the being, as being the church leader, your presence here brings a power that is unique. Not more powerful, it's just unique. And so I'm reading all that. I was like, that's cool, God. Thanks for everything. And then I got in my car and I left, okay? After a little while. All right? And so this is the book I pick up and I read. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but basically this guy in India named Hesu Das is, uh, goes to the city and there's no believers. And they're all, you know, they're all controlled by this witchcraft doctor. And they, like, there's so much power, evil power, that they're killing cows and animals and their livestock. And even people are dying for no reason. And the missionary says, I can see death on their faith, destruction everywhere. There's no hope. And he started to share the gospel with them. And as he shared the gospel, they said, we've never, we've never experienced a God who, who do, isn't mad at us and that we have to kill things for. We've never experienced that before. And they were overwhelmed and they started responding to the gospel. So these witch doctors came to uh, Jesus Das and said, look, you better stop or we're going to get after you. you. You better stop. And he says, well, I'm not going to stop. So he keeps proclaiming the gospel. Lives are being transformed. The evil guys get together and this is what they do. It says, finally, a few weeks later, 
the witch doctors came to Jesus Das and asked him the secret of his power. This is the first time our power did not work, they told him. After doing the pujas, which I don't know what it is, but it's probably some cool chicken dance or something. I don't know. I Googled it, and it didn't, nothing came up. Pujas. I don't know. If you know what P-U-J-A-S is, that'd be great if you let me know. All right? And if you're doing it against me, don't. All right? Okay. I just love making fun of the enemy. Okay, so after doing the, quote, puhas, we asked the spirits to go and kill your family. But the spirits came back and told us they could not approach you or your family because you were always surrounded by fire. Then we called more powerful spirits. But they too returned, saying, not only were you surrounded by fire, but angels were also surrounding you at all time. Okay, so I'm coming off this experience at Hollybrook, feeling like angels are on me, whatever, and that's the first story I read. And God just says, do you still think you should take it to the church? And so, and immediately I feel the presence of God. And I just stop doing what I'm doing, working on my talk, and I start praying, all right, Lord, I want whatever you have for me. Whatever you have, I'll go there. I'll share that. I'll share whatever you want me to share. And so I pick up this, I lay that book down. I'm like, okay, let me find another, you know, so I, I pick up this book. And again, it's a big book. And I, 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 what I do is I look through the chapters and see if anything sticks out. Then I'll go read that one chapter and then I'll steal it and give it to you. Like it's my own. But this is what I read. It's not even in the main part of the book. It's this quote from Job. And I, again, there's lots of scriptures on the poor. And I've studied it for a long time, but I've never seen this scripture before. And God just nails me with it at the end. This is the scripture. Job, 29 to 11, 11 to 17. Whoever heard me spoke well of me, and those who saw me commended me. Why? Because I rescued the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to assist him. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. Don't turn the slide, okay? Just wait till I ask you to. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was the father to the needy, I took, the, I took up the case of the stranger. All things that are right on and would really fit in this message, wouldn't it? Right? But all of those things are in other parts of the Bible too. We can read those in lots of different places. In the Gospels, in Isaiah, Jeremiah. Prophecy about what God's kingdom looks like when it moves. All of those things are in there. But this last verse wasn't. Is it anywhere else in scripture? And the last verse says this. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. So think about it. I see this picture about these animals snatching up children and tearing them apart. And I read this and God says, Antley, this is what will happen. This is what's happening if you're not obedient. This is literally what you do when you choose to move into the life and to love and to bring my kingdom as you defeat the enemy. You snatch these children from their teeth and you break their fangs, their ability to do it again. And then again, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of come over me. I just like, wait, I'm praying about it. All right, Lord, I'll go here if this is where you're calling me to go. And I just feel like he says, this is not only for you, it is for you, but it's for the church. When you're obedient and your church is obedient, you'll come alive. When we're obedient, we'll come alive. We've had lots of prophecies, lots of things told to us about what we're gonna become. 
that week I was just praying in my quiet time and um, Micah 11, 7 came to me just out of the blue. And again, folks, I don't have this stuff happen to me all the time. So don't like put me on a pedestal and think I'm super spiritual and like I get these pictures and words and scriptures. But basically, Micah eleven seven says something like, when you're obedient, I'll expand your borders. And all of this comes together into this reality of what I feel like God's calling us to next. And that is believing that we are called to bring impact, to bring transformation, to bring healing to the kids of Hollybrook. We haven't been obedient. It's four years ago when he put this on our hearts. And very few of us have taken this responsibility seriously, myself included. And again, this is not about guilt. You know I don't use guilt. This is about life. This is about a part of our heart coming alive when we're obedient. And God just making it very clear of what that's supposed to look like right now. And that's where impact came from. This card, I, I called Craig. I met with Craig the day that I had the dream the first time. And I said, I think this is where we're going. Let's get everyone together. We're supposed to have this mentoring program. We need to, we called Mindy up there for the media team. I said, I want this card out in two weeks. We have to get it done. She's like, hey, we have to get it done today. And Craig came up with the acoustic, which stands for Individuals Mentoring for Personal and Community Transformation. Individuals Mentoring for Personal, our transformation. When we mentor, we are transformed. The community is transformed. Children are transformed. Jacksonville is transformed. Families are transformed. Ours and theirs. And so we made it really easy. All you have to do is sign up. All you have to do is sign up. And you might be thinking, well, what makes me a candidate? Why should I sign up? Should I sign up? Well, here, this is the reason you should sign up. Because I feel like God spoke to me. I'm the church leader. And I've never asked you to do anything like this. I've never come to you and said, I feel like God's spoken. If we're gonna be who God's called us to be, you have to do this. But I feel like we have to do this. I feel like this is a no-brainer for us. And you know, I met with someone last night who said, I'm gonna do this. I don't have any time to do this, but I'm gonna do this. I feel like God's calling me to do this. And I said, and it was this person who like myself has wealth and is self-providing for themselves. And I said, you know, and right away, God just said, it's easier for a rich, it's harder for a rich man to get to the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. And I looked at this person, I said, if you wanna risk and step out, it's harder for you because you have resources. If you wanna live in a way that God has to show up, it's harder for you because you have resources. This is one of the ways that God is pushing that button. Do you trust me? Do you believe the gospel brings transformation? Is Jesus enough? Because you're right, I know this person, they don't have the time. I don't know where I'm gonna find the time. I have four kids of my own. But God says it, he'll provide for me. And this is how he's calling us to step out. Dallas Willard said this, faith today, this is a slide I think, Faith today is treated as something that only should make us different, not as something that actually does or can make us different. In reality, we vainly struggle against the evils of this world waiting to die and go to heaven. Somehow, we've, we have gotten the idea that the essence of faith is entirely mental and an inward thing. We don't believe that. That's not the mission that God has called us to. The reason we need to be obedient is because that's not what we believe about the gospel. We believe the gospel really makes a difference. We believe that people really can get rescued from Jesus, by Jesus, from whatever their life circumstances are. We believe that people really get healed. We believe, and we have seen marriages restored that were on the brink of divorce. We've seen it happen here. We know that the gospel, the power of the gospel is real at River City Church. We know that children actually are snatched out and torn apart If we are not obedient, if Christ doesn't come, then they're doomed. 
then we're doomed. If Christ isn't real, the gospel isn't real, we're done for. It's only the power of the gospel. It's only Jesus. He's the only one that brings hope to us and to the lives of other people. We really believe at River State Church that this is a value because we really believe that there's darkness and that there's warfare and that there's an enemy who is real and he is destroying, he is killing, and he is raping our city. And we believe that. And we also believe that it's only the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that can bring hope, lived out through us. If you believe that, then you need to sign up, you need to fill a card out. If you believe that, if you believe that what God showed me is true, then you need to fill out a card. And maybe it's just not you. Maybe it's your whole family. You know, Craig and I are like, how are we going to do all this? We're like, I don't know. We'll just get them to sign up first, and then we'll do that. You know, we're going to have, for the next few weeks, we're going to have mass, we're going to have mass, we're going to have big meetings of people who want to be mentors. It's one hour a week. One hour a week to mentor someone. One hour to, get, to, to mentor someone. And we'll, we'll, we'll connect you with that person. You love that person. Not everyone gets to do it, especially that little baby. <laughs> Not everyone can do it. What you do is you fill out the application, and you need to be a part of our family. We need to know who you are. You need to do a background check. If you got a jacked up background like me, just know you're on the edge, and that could just go either way, you know? But in the meantime, you need to fill out the card if you're interested. If you feel like this message is for you, if you feel the Holy Spirit doing something, if your heart's being broken for the poor, this is the way I feel like God wants us to respond right now. The birthday party is a great step in that direction. You know, Todd Chupp and I have these questions like, how can we get the men involved at River City Church? This is how. This is how. You're not doing anything, you're looking ready to get plugged in, do this. If you're not doing anything, do this. If you are doing something, you want to step out and do more, do this. If you believe that this is the gospel, that this is the truth, and that this is what God's doing right now at our church, because this is what our church is doing. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And salvation is every part of our life transformation in every part of our life. And we have to believe, is the gospel enough for you? Do you believe that Jesus is enough? It's not about our works. It's about believing that Jesus is enough, that he is gonna do the work. I'm gonna end with this quote. Mother Teresa says this. Christ has no body on earth but yours, no hands but yours, no feet but yours, Yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. I woke up, I checked my email first, and I read this email from someone who said, I'm tingly all over. Something happened last night in ministry and in your talk. And my heart, I have this one person that I want to mentor. My heart is breaking for this person. It's transformed. I don't know what's going on. I'm like on this high, and, and, and this is the last line. I feel like Jesus is inside me and he's trying to get out. We spend a lot of time, folks, talking about getting Jesus inside. But the reality is, the reason he gets in is so that he can get out. And if you want Jesus to get out, this is an easy way to do it. It's one hour a week, but it begins by allowing him to transform our heart. If we want our heart to come alive, that's the question you have to ask. I believe that this is the ticket. I believe this is one of the ways that God's gonna move in our church right now. So we're gonna have ministry time. And in ministry, we're just gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come like we always do, but we're gonna be praying for our heart to be 
transformed and compel us to want to do this. I don't want this to be an obedient thing because we're supposed to. It's something we want to be led by the Spirit in. And again, maybe it's your family, or maybe it's going to the birthday party next week and then the next thing. But I feel like God has put this on specific people in our heart. Like, this is going to happen. I'm expecting hundreds of mentors. That's what it's going to take. There's hundreds of kids. It will take all of us. It will take us all considering this. So why don't we stand?